GM, GM, welcome to the weekly roll-up where we run down the top Web3 news from the past week to keep you up to date and ahead of the crowd. My name is Jay Bird, and this is Kyle Reedhead. And our goal here at Web3 Academy is to help entrepreneurs, businesses, and creators explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and build thriving communities. Kyle, what are we talking about today? Oh man, we got a lot this week. We are talking about V Friends partners with Macy's and Toys mm. R Us. Honestly, I thought Toys R Us was bankrupt, so I was this <laughs> shocked. Uh, we are talking about NFT bear market. Is it over? Question mark. Uh, let's find out. Moonbirds launching a DAO and proof is seeding it with a couple milli. That's nice. Good for you guys, Moonbirds. Uh, discussing composability. Uh, and network effects on open source blockchain ecosystems. That's probably like the nerdiest sentence I've ever said, but I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, McDonald's is accepting Bitcoin. Uh, and of course, we have a Web3 person of the month. Jay, you want to give us a quick hint before we get into the show? Quick hint. This person is a, lead a leader of a top NFT project, and they have just launched a new collection uh, this week. And if you listen, there's a little bit of alpha in here. I'll tell you how you can get on into the raffle to possibly get this. It's a free mint. It's a free mint, people. Ooh, we like free mints. We like free mints. What are you grateful for, Jay? I am grateful for Jupiter, the planet Jupiter. I learned this the other day. I did not know this. I am grateful for Jupiter because sitting out there in our solar system, Jupiter's gravity is far stronger than our gravity. And so Jupiter is often referred to as the vacuum cleaner of our solar system because it sucks in asteroids and comets that are could be potentially flying towards us and killing us. So little do we know, Jupiter is saving our lives constantly out there in the solar system. <laughs> Thank you, Jupiter. Wow, that is some great gratitude. You always come with some great gratitude, but you know what's actually really funny is my gratitude today um, is also about a planet. I guess it's a star. I don't know what you call it, but it's about the sun. Uh, mm. My gratitude is sunrises and sunsets. So mm. um, I'm in Madeira, Portugal, which is this beautiful island. And just the other day, a couple of friends and I, we hiked up a mountain. We watched the sun rise over the, over the, uh, over the clouds, which was super, super cool, over the ocean and the clouds. And then we moved into our place here that I'm in now where we could watch the sun set because uh, it's on the other side of the island and we watch it set over the water. And so we got to see it both one day and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. But I love sunrises um, and I'm pretty sure the sun is much, much bigger than Jupiter. And it also does what you're saying because its gravitational pull has got to be even bigger. So mm -hmm. we're on the same page today. We're, we're connected. We're aligned, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Always the line. Always, Always the line. Now, before we get into this news, before we dive into this episode, let's just take a quick second uh, to hear about our favorite sponsor, and yes, our only sponsor, Lens Protocol. We'll see you in two seconds. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, 
Creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. All right, friends, we are back and it is time to dive into the top news stories of the week. And the first one is a big one. I'm excited about it. Gary Vaynerchuk, my boy, someone I've looked up to and followed for a while. Uh, he launched vFriends and vFriends is now partnering with Macy's and Toys R Us. Jay, why don't you walk us through what is going on here? This is big. Yeah, this is really big in the... Uh, let me just categorize this first, because I think one thing, Kai, and you are really working on as we train and teach our listeners about how to use Web3 in their business is trying to understand the different business models in Web3. And so vFriends from the beginning has fallen into this IP business model. He, Gary has said this, they are building IP and they have taken a big step towards monetizing that IP with this news. So as Kyle mentioned, they have vFriends has partnered with Macy's and Toys R Us to turn their NFTs into physical toys. And let me just give you a rundown of sort of a context of how this is working. So selected holders will get access to claim the collection first, and all of the vFriends community will have like priority RSVP access. So there's benefit to the holders to get access to these toys first. Here's how the IP licenses work though. So the holders of six chosen characters, so six characters out of, actually not sure how many total characters there is in the V-Friends collection. I think it was so. 200. No, I, th I thought it was 200 and something characters. Maybe there's different versions okay. of those, but I thought it was but different versions. Total. Okay. Yeah, okay. So of those 200 something characters, six were chosen and they will receive the benefits of basically their character being turned into a toy. You can see on screen here, I've got a, a giraffe vFriend that is one of the characters that's been turned into a toy. So there's gonna be two series of these toys. Series one is a 10 inch plus plush toy. That's uh, so like a soft toy. And then, and then series two is a six inch figurine toy. Um, and additionally, uh, all 10 characters in series one and series two, uh, there will be a there will also be a blind box of four additional characters that come out in a blind box um, and they'll all be eligible for an exclusive so if your if your character your nft is used as one of these then you get a you i don't think you get this but you're eligible for an exclusive 30 minute token gated video call with gary vanderchuk himself where wow. he it's specific to you know, this is this is the collection looking to, you know, give value back to their token holders, right? And reward them. Uh, some other, Kai, you want to jump in here? Or you want me to keep going a little bit more context? No, keep going. You're doing a okay. great job. Let me let me give a little bit more context. And then I, I would love to, to hear your thoughts on this because there's just so much unwrap on using NFT IP for toys. Some other things that they're focused on. Um, unboxing is a big thing in the toy industry. You know, it's a huge part of the, basically the user experience of buying a toy. I mean, if you think about it, there's actually, um, whether you think about like uh, 
uh, collector like baseball cards, right? Uh, you know, you open that pack and what's inside, right? So sometimes there's this, and Gary Vee is doing this, sometimes there's this blind box, right? This idea of like, you don't know what the toy is. And then other times you do know what the toy is and you're buying the toy. And so they're playing with that, which is interesting. They're doing this unboxing, but they're taking that to the digital first. And the way they're doing that is each, each collectible or figure has a printed QR code that will lead you, lead the owner to a 3D animated uh, experience, right? So you can have a digital experience as well as a physical toy experience. Um, and then if we sort of step back for a second and look beyond this toy collection, there's a real macro trend here. We're very early, so I don't really know if I can say this is a trend yet, but I think that there is a key signal happening right now that toys might be one of the next big plays for NFTs. Mm. Uh, and, and there's already some, let me give you some stats here. So, But when you say wax, toys, do you mean digital or do you mean physical? Yeah, so I mean, I mean both, both, basically. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, so this, this concept of buying a, an NFT, as as a toy and you get a toy-like experience and there's a another company Cryptoys, that is yeah. really focused on that and building this out uh but essentially yeah you buy the you buy the nft you make the digital experience same you unbox it it's fun it's a it's like a family event your kids and the parents sit around the computer you all enjoy this feeling of interacting with this toy and then there's this second step, which is the fidgetal idea of, okay, now you can like burn that NFT and we'll mail you an actual toy. And there's lots of projects playing with in between. Kai, what's what's your take on, on VFriends and on this NFT toy play? I mean, I got a few things here. One, I mean, I love it. I think it puts NFTs in the mainstream. Um, when something becomes physical, it becomes more real to people, mm -hmm. right? And so I think a lot of people, you know, hate the word NFT and they hate NFTs and it's hard to hate these. Like I'm looking at a little toy giraffe and a little toy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these little characters that they created. So like, I think it starts to bring people around and go, oh wait, these are NFTs. Like, okay, they're not so bad, you know? Um, and then also, I mean, being in Macy's, one of the biggest, I think, department stores in the world, um, you know, I think this is a, a, a huge, um, just kind of marketing play for the whole ecosystem. So I think uh, that's definitely a good thing. Toys R Us, I actually, when I read that, is Toys R Us not bankrupt? I don't understand. How, they're still, they or, did. Or is that just in Canada maybe? No, they did go bankrupt. And then I think they, they, they got stayed? saved. Okay. They got that saved, was, yeah. That was like the, the crazy thing. But I think, I think toys are huge. And there's a couple things here. So the, the, the fidgetal thing you mentioned, I think is great, right? They get the NFT, mm -hmm. they, can, they can get the physical one and play around with it. But I think what's happening is like most kids are actually playing digitally anyway, right? They're playing in yeah. games with their friends and Roblox and things. And so if you can start to use these in these games, um, then there's so much value, so much utility to that toy, where instead of them playing in their room, they're on their iPad and they're playing with it mm -hmm. somehow, right? Um, I think the other, like to take it a step further, and we're not at this point yet in terms of the tech, but just thinking of the, the metaverse style things when we read, um, uh, what's his name's book? Um, is Matthew Ball. Matthew Ball, that's a thank you. Is once they have VR and they can actually like go and hold that toy in the mm -hmm. digital world, like 
I think these things are going to be amazing and kids like they don't even need to go play it in their room now they can literally do it in their VR system so I think that's really cool um but I think the biggest take here is I got a feeling that V Friends is going to drop a movie soon um and it's going to be some kids movie taking on Disney and Pixar it's going to be that style of movie and I think it's going to be huge and uh, I'm pumped to see it I just I'm pretty sure that's what Gary's been talking about a little bit I say Gary like he's a friend of mine I call him by the first name but uh <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I say when movie, because I think it's coming and I think that's going to be huge. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I think you bring up a really interesting point around the kids and digital. And, and I only know this, I, I don't have kids myself, but my friends that have kids, whenever I go over and I hang out with these kids and I ask them, you know, the, what'd you get for your birthday or what'd you get for Christmas or what's your favorite new toy? They tell me something digital. You know, they'll show me what they got on Roblox recently or what they got on Minecraft recently. And, and they're spending, they're not spending, you know, a few dollars on these things. So kids are spending, they're spending hundreds of dollars on digital items already. And that's the thing that we don't realize. This is already happening. They're just not NFTs, but they're going to be. And mm -hmm. this is the first step. Plus the other, the other quick take I have on this is, isn't this such a smart business concept of okay Gary V launches an NFT to however many holders there were 10,000 let's say and then drops a toy now you've got 10,000 customers that want to buy your toy right they're stoked yeah. I want yeah, of, course. of course I want to buy that toy and I want to buy it for everyone I know because I'm a holder because I feel so connected like that's the community element that you're getting with web3 I wonder how they chose the six characters that they included with the toys. Mm. You know what I mean? I wonder where that came from, but I'm sure they'll, they'll drop that, but they have like a story and a background for each character. So that's why I think it, it starts to make these things come to life. And I think that's just pretty cool. What do we got here? We got a wizard, an ape, a giraffe, a peacock, a cow, and a, a something with a heart head. I don't even know what that is. A cloud with a heart head. <laughs> No idea, but we'll see. He's doing things. Good job, E friends. All right, we'll keep it up. What's what? What's up next, Kai? Yeah, what's this is next a, a new story. This is the uh, the bear market's over for NFTs. I think uh, not actually. I hope but, so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I bet you do. Uh, but no, I saw this thread on Twitter uh, from Martin Lee. I think he works at Nansen, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Nansen is like an on-chain um, like analysis platform. And basically he was breaking down kind of just the state of the NFT ecosystem right now. And my big takeaways from this thread was volumes are down. I think it was something like 80%, like something ridiculous, like volumes are down like crazy. Um, we talked about this. I think it was down like 99% in OpenSea. Mm -hmm. He kind of said it wasn't actually that bad. They didn't have their data correct, um, but it's, it's bad. Um, and so that tells me, okay, speculative mania is over. Cool. Get that. We've been talking about that for forever. What was interesting in this thread though is, transactions both on ethereum and solana are at all-time highs and so that was a little bit mind-blowing right so volumes is is the transaction uh, is basically the the amount of of money that's getting traded mm -hmm. transactions just like everything counts as one kind of thing and so this tells you that okay speculative mania is over but more businesses or games or whatever are using these nfts and they're using them at these low cost or potentially even free um uh, nfts and what's even more interesting is the Ethereum numbers, which are at all-time high currently, this is not even including any of the layer two data. And when I think layer twos, we have, okay, we have Arbitrum and Optimus, not very big on the NFT side of things yet. Immutable though, massive. 
so yep. many games on there, so much utility. They're like one of the top blockchains in terms of transactions. So yep. like they, like the all-time high here is way higher than anybody thinks. We're just not actually looking at the numbers properly. And then I think about Polygon and what's going down on Polygon that's not being put into this stuff. Well, we have uh, Lens, for example. So the way that all of these, um, uh, if you want to scroll down, just show the chart here. But the way that all of these charts are looking at volume and transactions is via secondary sales on marketplaces. So they're mm -hmm. only looking at NFTs that are moving from things like OpenSea, right? And, and any of the other ones, Magic Eden, et cetera. It's not actually looking into, well, what about just people claiming them and using them for something, right? Like Lens Protocol. There's 70,000 people that have, have claimed their handle. Um, that's not showing up in here. But every person that has followed someone on Lens also mints an NFT. Every time you follow someone, every time you post something, every time you collect something, these are all, so they must be in the millions. And that's not showing up here in this data. Then you have Ticketmaster. We talked about Ticketmaster a couple of weeks ago. They are on the Flow blockchain, I believe. Yep. Um, I was uh, talking to someone and they were saying that Ticketmaster's already minted 10 million NFTs this year. 10, 10 million. million. <laughs> and again, that's not showing up here. And then I just think like, okay, there's all these other bigger things happening on Starbucks, or on Starbucks, sorry, on Polygon. And there's Starbucks mm -hmm. royalty NFTs to come soon, the rewards. Mm -hmm. Loyalty, and that's gonna be loyalty. Loyalties, yeah, sorry. And that's gonna be millions. And it's just like, we are not really tracking these numbers properly. There is so mm. much activity going on in NFTs, but we're used to this sort of speculative mania where NFTs have to be worth a hundred thousand. That's what tells us if NFTs are useful or not. Um, and to me, I, I would like, I wish we could have some better data that looks at maybe the amount of users interacting with NFTs, the amount of users that are minting NFTs, because I feel like those just got to be skyrocketing with all of the different use cases here and all the different businesses. Yeah, I was actually looking at, it's funny you mentioned, I was literally looking at this data yesterday. Uh, I took a, a, a fun deep dive on Dune, which is just, nice. what a, I love Dune's Dune. Amazing. What a fun, yeah. fun place to just go through all these dashboards. And the, the number of unique wallets that are currently active with NFTs is actually still pretty low, which yeah, is wild. Is. Yeah, you know, it's only around 100,000. So you're, so yeah, but that's this, like daily active. I think that's not overall think, or monthly active. That, no, that's, that's much higher numbers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's daily active. That's so not that's like traders oh, though, right? That's overall, traders. overall number of wallets that have ever interacted with an NFT is 6 million, I believe. Okay. Interesting. And that's, that's and that is wallet. exponential. Like that chart was like Going flat nuts. until yeah. like last Basically, when I started buying NFTs, because I always buy the top guys. So if you ever want to know when the top is, just just <laughs> ask me when I'm buying and don't buy then. Uh, so last like uh, like end of late last year was when it like was sort of flat, flat, and then it's just gone exponential. I think it was yeah. about like, like one million at that point, and now we're up to like six million unique wallets that have NFTs. Right. I mean, there's even like ENS, for example, had their highest um, minting of of new uh, ETH addresses um, last month in September, right? At almost mm. half a million. Uh, just in one month. And that's growing every single month, basically, even though we're supposedly in this bear market, right? Now the prices aren't, you know, 99 ETH or whatever, like they were last year, but who cares, right? It doesn't really make sense for that. What's crazy is it's now becoming normal is when you start a business, you go to GoDaddy, you get your normal domain, and then everyone also goes to ENS and grabs their .eth domain, right? So yeah. it's just another use case here of these, of these NFTs that just continues to go, as you said, exponential. Um, one of the things that's interesting and that Jay and I are working on is 
we really want to start diving into more of this on-chain data. Like mm-hmm. I got a feeling, I haven't seen any reports on like Lens, for example. And I just, I feel like there's so much activity there. And this is not because they're a sponsor. I just actually really like what's going on there. But that I don't see any numbers anywhere. Same with like the Flow blockchain with Ticketmaster. It's hard to know that there's actually 10 million. When Starbucks comes out, I want to be on top of that and see how much utility, how much movement is happening, what's going mm-hmm. on, how many users. And it's easy to do because you can just plug into the to these um, chains uh, with their EtherScan or Polygon Scan, whatever. So anyway, uh, one of the things that's coming out uh, in the near future with Web3 Academy is we've partnered with our DAO, Web3 Academy DAO. There's a bunch of really awesome people in there that are learning to do this stuff to analyze the on-chain metrics. And we're going to start putting out some content um, where we're going to give you some solid numbers and break down projects uh, and see like what kind of metrics they're having, what's working, what's not, and really start to analyze these business models from like a number standpoint, not just kind of like our opinion. Um, so really, really excited for that. Uh, if you're part of the DAO, I mean, you already know this, but if, in case you didn't, feel free to reach out. We are, are we have tons of people working on this and we're excited to get our first piece of content out. Who knows when, I won't, I won't say a date, but gonna be some pretty cool stuff coming out soon. I'm so fired up for this because this is how you learn. The problem mm-hmm. is it's so hard to learn about Web3 right now because there's so much clickbait, right? You're stuck in this world of like, all every influencer every news media outlet knows that they will get clicks if they put a board ape and some you know millions of dollars were spent on this and that's not teaching you shit about web3 that is not what we are building here folks most of what we are building is actually going to be using nfts for things like interoperability and composability which we're actually going to talk about in a second here mm. uh And that is the game changer here. But the only way to learn that is to see what people are doing. And so, yeah, let's go write reports that show what is being done and what the real numbers are. And then that's how you learn, right? That's that's at least how I learn, right? And that's how we find out what what business models are actually winning, right? Right now, we're just assuming everyone in this industry, unless you're really diving in, we want to make this stuff available to everyone. And we want to stop assuming and start really analyzing. So I think that's going to be super exciting. Okay, speaking of projects that are doing a lot, Jay, the next big piece of news here is what? Moonbirds. Uh, Disclosure, I am a holder of Moonbirds. Uh, Moonbirds is launching a DAO. So what they are doing is they are Proof, which is the owner of Moonbirds, the creator of Moonbirds. Proof is taking $2.6 million and they are giving it to a DAO treasury which will be managed by Moonbird holders. So if you are a Moonbird holder, you will have access to propose votes and to uh, be part of the management of this treasury. Uh, this is really exciting. I think this is, this is another business model that we have seen that is really fascinating to me. And Kai, I know that you feel the same. This idea of... If you're going to launch an NFT, should you also take part of your mint and give it to a treasury and then build with your community? Like what a fantastic opportunity to create together. Now, in terms of, let me just give you some details, Kai, on the Moonbirds DAO, because there's some interesting things that they've done. And then I'd love to have a discussion about what you think the setup of these things should be. 
Okay, the primary purpose of this is to further the Moonbirds ecosystem reputation and lore. So they're looking for people who want to create projects that basically push Moonbirds out further. Uh, and what's interesting is the DAO will enable, enable the Moonbirds holders to endorse projects with trademark rights around the name Moonbirds. So I didn't realize this, but when Moonbirds went CC0 about uh, two months ago, that the CC0 was for the art. So they took the art and they made that open source. Anybody can use it and reproduce it, but that doesn't include the Moonbirds name. So the Moonbirds That's name is not CC0. That is trademarked. So what can happen is if somebody wants to use the Moonbirds name, what they'll be able to do is they'll be able to go to the DAO and say, hey, I want to use the Moonbirds name to go do this project. You know, I want to go create a metaverse of, you know, or a game using Moonbirds. And then, and then the DAO will be able to vote and say, yeah, yeah, sure. You can have the, you can trademark the Moonbirds name and use it in your project. Uh, so that I thought was, was really interesting. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the manner in which they are seeding the capital. So uh, let me just find the details here. Okay, yeah. So they are 2 million in ETH from Proof, which let's be clear here, Proof, they raised, I think it was 250 million in ETH off the Mint. And then they've done about 500 million in secondary sales since wow. the Mint, what? which they take a royalty on that. So uh, and and proof has raised 50 million from VC. Uh, so proof is very well funded. Yeah, yeah. Bull market <laughs> um, vibes, eh? Holy very bull nice market. Try vibes. doing that these days. <laughs> oh my God. No chance. No chance. I yeah, I wonder I, will this ever happen again? I'm not sure. Not at this level, I don't think. Uh, so so what they're doing is they're taking two million in ETH, putting it into a treasury. Then they are also taking Moonbirds. Or sorry, proof held back certain moonbirds in their own wallet. Uh, and they're giving, uh, I believe it's 10 of those moonbirds into the treasury. And then they're also taking 500,000 US and buying the floor of moonbirds currently. So they're going to buy like 30, they think it'll be about 37 moonbirds that they'll buy for 500,000 US. And those moonbirds will also go to the treasury. So what it means is the treasury is not just managing ETH and dollars, they're also managing about 40 to 50 Moonbirds that they'll be able to decide like, do we keep those? Do we sell those? And obviously if you have Moonbirds, those you can stake those and there's rewards for staking. And you know, so it's a, it's a question of where the value is, right? Like, would you rather sell those and have the cash or the ETH or whether you, would you rather keep those? And so it's interesting to think about Dow treasury management as well. And then one more thing, Kai, and then I'll let you jump in. Um, the other interesting thing that they did here is, okay, so you think about like, okay, so you give this money to the, to the treasury and then you hand over voting rights to it, to the NFT holders. And that's the way they're doing it. Basically, there's going to be this hasn't launched, by the way. This is just their announcement that they're doing this. Mm. You'll be able to log in or token gate, I should say, into a site to prove you have an, a Moonbird NFT, and then you'll be able to access the voting and proposals and whatnot. Um, in the beginning, they are holding back 
some rights around voting. They're basically holding veto power in the beginning, which is very interesting. So they're saying, you guys have the control of this treasury, you guys can vote, but if we don't like what you are doing, we can veto it. <laughs> so that's for like also, a certain period of time yeah, or for how long? That The way I understand it, I haven't seen a time frame on it, but it sounds like, so Nouns did this in the beginning. Nouns yeah. also did this. And as I've heard, I don't think they ever really necessarily take away the veto rights. I think they kind of hold it forever, but it's like a, uh, an, like a, you know, an agreement that, okay, we haven't used it. We're never going to use it type right. thing. Or eventually they might change it. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. Like they are putting a lot of money into here and a lot mm -hmm. of effort into this. And like, sometimes you just like if they're the visionary you know and they're the ones funding it and they're the ones kind of creating a lot of this and kind of pushing this thing forward like sometimes they might need to step in just in case you know it's again it's an experiment when's the lot like we haven't really done a lot of building these massive businesses with i don't know how many people are going to be in this dao but um was it thousands ten thousand ten thousand moonbirds holders plus right. there's going to be moonbird mythics which is their next collection that's yeah. dropping air dropping to holders in like the new year so you're probably talking like 10 to twenty thousand people right i i think the, the big thing is people understand like we don't really have a lot of precedent of building a business with ten thousand people together right that are all strangers around the world so like as someone who's going to go and say hey we're going to put millions of dollars in here and put a lot of effort into building this thing like yeah maybe i might need some veto power for a little bit here just to make sure we're doing the right thing I don't mind that to be completely honest. Um, but I, what I would hope happens is once they go and things start rolling and they're confident in this DAO, like they should step up and be like, okay, things are rolling. Like our veto mm -hmm. power goes, I don't know. Yes. We'll see if they do that, but that's kind of the way I would like to see it. Let, let me ask you this question, Kai, if you were to drop an NFT uh, and let's assume that it sold out and it did well, would you put a portion of the funds from the mint or from the royalty towards a DAO? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of, I, I don't really understand why you wouldn't do that. So like, mm. to me, it's like, if you're going to launch an NFT to build a community, right? Um, you make that money up front and then it's what, like, are you just going to basically take that and then the community does what, right? Like, is that just, is that it? Or is the... For me, the reason you launch an NFT is it's ownership. You want to incentivize mm -hmm. your community to help build with you. And if you don't then share that treasury with them, uh, now I'm not saying you have to share all of it. I think that's a terrible idea. You obviously have built up this audience, built up this community. You've probably been doing this for years if you were able to sell out something for 10,000 uh, with 10,000 people. So like you should be rewarded for that. But I think X percent, and it depends on many factors, should definitely go to funding them to get started and rolling. Absolutely. I mean, there are many ways you can do it. And I've, I've actually just written um, a very deep, deep, the deepest of dives on tokenizing <laughs> communities with NFTs. It's a three-part series. The first one comes out actually uh, on Monday. And, uh, and I actually break down all the different ways that you can tokenize communities and the different business models and what makes sense. And um, it's very, very interesting. So I actually have a lot more to say, but I'm going to save it for that um, because there's so much at stake here. And there's so many different ways you can do it. But to me, the whole point is you need to align the incentives of both the creator uh, and the community. And so um, 
But the thing is, if you give away 100% to the community, you no longer mm -hmm. align the incentives because now the creator has just lost their entire business. So that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense either. So there's this spectrum that I think people need to understand. Uh, and this is cool. I like that they're holding on to the Moonbirds NFTs as their treasury because that, again, aligns incentive, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's really mm -hmm. cool. I don't know. There's a lot of yeah. play here. And, and what we've seen is we've seen we've seen a few different models. We've seen 50-50 where NFT projects have done 50% to creators and 50% to the DAO. We've seen, now we're seeing Moonbirds where they're announcing it later and they're they're giving, seeding the DAO. We've seen Board Ape Yacht Club, which launched ApeCoin and then built a DAO off of ApeCoin. Uh, so we've seen different models of this. Nouns is another example, but I think that the the framing that I have in my head is it's probably somewhere between 10 to 50% that makes sense to give to the DAO. That's sort of the range that I keep seeing, but exactly how you do it depends upon what you're trying to achieve. But you nailed it, Kai. It's all about aligned incentives. Uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners. What do you guys think? This is going to be our poll of the mm. week is should NFT projects provide a portion of their mint to a DAO treasury governed by their holders. What do you guys think? Yes, no, love to hear your comments. Check out our Twitter. We're going to be putting up that poll uh, in the next few days or reply to our newsletter uh, and let us know what you think. It's be great to hear you guys' takes on this. It will be a pinned post on Twitter. So you can go and you can, uh, you can put it in there. Uh, but yeah, would love to hear that. I think this is, again, something we're all experimenting and innovating with. I think the one thing people need to understand is the, as I was doing my research, as I'm writing this article, some of these projects like Moonbirds and VFriends, et cetera, they made, like you said, hundreds of millions. That's not happening. Okay. And anymore in this bear market, not to mention, like, there are a lot of creators, like call them influencers, people who create content, who have newsletters, et cetera, that can do this model, but they don't have like Moonbirds and Kevin Rose has, I don't know, millions of followers, I think on Twitter, right? Like he has a massive audience. Same with Gary Vaynerchuk, like tens of millions. So like, of course they can reach these numbers of hundreds of millions. The most people who are going to use this, most creators that are building their communities are not that big. And so they shouldn't expect this ridiculous amounts of money. So this is why this, do you share and how much do you share really matters because when it's hundreds of millions, okay, sure, whatever, share whatever you want. Everyone's happy. But when it's like, I don't know, 50,000 or hundred thousand, it's like, well, you need some from all the work you did. So like, I don't know, it really depends on a lot of things. So let us know what you think. Would love to hear your opinion on DAOs and whether they should, or sorry, NFT projects and whether they should share with a DAO. And also how, how we can align incentives better in this space. But I think that leads nicely into our next topic here, Kai, which is all about a composability, which is another form of aligning incentives. What's, mm. what's going on over, over here at Lensport? What is Lensport? Yeah, so lots happening here uh, on Lens Protocol. And again, we don't mean to always be talking about Lens uh, just because they're a sponsor. Uh, they just actually have a lot of cool shit going on. Uh, it's super bullish on this ecosystem as a whole. What's really interesting here with Lens, so Lens Protocol, as you guys know, is the social graph. You have a bunch of social apps on top of it. And then what we have launching are tools and applications and things that enable these apps to actually function and work better that the apps themselves don't need to build. So for example, um, Lensport just launched, which is a Lens-specific marketplace. So this plays off of your discussion last week, Jay, on um, more like unique or like boutique marketplaces. I don't know what we call these. 
Uh, but you have the general ones like OpenSea, but then you have some that are specific to certain projects uh, and that kind of stuff. And I didn't really get why. You said it was like, well, they can create a better user experience. And I was like, okay, I kind of get that. But like, I don't know, I could probably just still use OpenSea. Then I read what Lensport is, and this is a lens-specific marketplace. And essentially what the purpose of this is, is everything is an NFT on Lens Protocol. And if you want to go and collect, let's say a post or an NFT of someone who has X amount of followers or gets X amount of collections or retweets or is in this type of you know, industry or whatever it is, you know, this type of content, um, there are specific filters and things that you would need to actually be able to search that and make that a good UX. Mm. It'd be very difficult, actually impossible to do that on OpenSea because OpenSea is a more general open play, uh, open is a more general marketplace, which isn't going to have those kind of filters and those selections. And for OpenSea to do that for like every type of project like this, it would just be unheard of and probably impossible. So mm -hmm. Lens actually needs its, and the other thing is, is a lot of the Lens um, NFTs are actually hidden on OpenSea because there's so many of them, right? You don't need to see them. You don't need to see like my follow NFT of following you. Uh, it's more of an interoperability protocol. It's not a thing that you need to see in, in OpenSea, for example. Um, so what Lensport does is allows you to start filtering and searching for all of these different NFTs on the uh, in the ecosystem. And you can do it from with more kind of advanced search filters um, that you can't do on any of the other marketplaces. So um, that to me is super, super cool. Uh, and basically that just enables some great features for all of the, let's think of the apps that are being built in there, Lenster, LensTube, um, you know, Favor and uh, Orb, which we just had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, um, there's so many different ones and they don't have to build a marketplace now. It's already done for them. And then if you pop over to the next NFTs here or NFTs, the next uh, tweets, <laughs> we have, oh, you didn't pull them up. So we have two uh, other launches. One was Push Protocol, um, and the other one is ENS. And these are integrations into the Lens ecosystem. So this is really cool. Now, one of the things you want on a social platform, obviously, is notifications. You want to know that someone commented or retweeted or whatever, right? Of course. But what's crazy is Lens didn't even need to build that. Someone else has built that called Push Protocol. And that is now integrated into Lens. So all of a sudden, this is, um, by the way, EPNS, who we actually had on the podcast, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, they've mm -hmm. changed their name to Push Protocol. And so now what's cool is none of these apps needed to build the push notifications feature. It's already built for them because it already exists in the Polygon ecosystem, and they can just plug that in. That's composability, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have ENS, which is a way that we sign into different applications and it takes our display name, it takes our profile picture, et cetera. Well, instead of having your ENS and your lens, you can now integrate those together. And when you sign in with your ENS, it now displays your lens name, your lens profile picture, your lens cover photo, et cetera. So again, we're sort of um, integrating all these different tools together. And really the idea here is that this is an ecosystem, right? And if we think of network effects, Every time that a new project is built on top of Lens or on top of Polygon, because they're all, you know, integrate with one another, it adds more value to every single one of those businesses or those protocols that are already on there. And so this is just this cool kind of like positive feedback loop that's happening on Lens is every time a new project comes, it lifts up all the existing ones that are already on it. And this just keeps happening. There's already over 100 apps being built on there. Um, 
So to me, and this is the same scenario that happened with Ethereum and why it grew so much is these network effects of more developers, more projects, more mm -hmm. tokens, et cetera. And you're starting to see this on Lens and there's going to be other ecosystems that do the same thing. And so it's just something to watch for because that's really how this, um, this ecosystem is going to play out. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think the power of interoperability and composability, I mean, those are two words that are sort of they're new, right? We haven't really used, I mean, they're obviously words that apply to many other industries, but they're they're supercharged in this Web3 mm -hmm. world in a way that we haven't experienced before. And quite frankly, in in a way that we really, we're only scratching the surface, right? Oh, like sure. this is, it's hard to, because we're not, we don't yet have, you know, hundreds of millions of wallets and hundreds of millions of people using this. We're not seeing all these composability benefits yet at their full scale it's like one of those like we're in that like cold start problem right where you know well it's fun to build but we need the users and we can't really do a lot of things until we get the users but i think these are they're clearly showing with this composability and integration with ens uh, and with push the power of network effect but also the marketplace thing gets me really excited because i just think that there is if there's going to be trillions of NFTs, which I believe there will be, how are we going to discover those mm -hmm. NFTs? I, I, I stand by it. There's going to be trillions of Ethereum NFTs, bullish on Ethereum. Oh, uh, what? This is two episodes in a row where you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> done this. You make it sound like I've sinned. <laughs> I mean, I feel like back in the day, I always was talking about Ethereum and everyone was chirped me for it. So I don't know. Anyway, maybe, I should say, maybe I should say that there'll be optimism NFTs or there'll be Arbitrum NFTs. There'll be layer yeah. two NFTs. Right. Uh, but what if there's going to be trillions of NFTs, then there's this, how are we going to discover those NFTs? How are we going to curate them? How are we going to, you know, interact with them in a, in a, in a friendly user experience way? Well, there's going to be marketplaces, but marketplaces aren't just going to be for selling. Like, I think that's a key thing. They're not just going to be trading and selling. They're also going to be for the purpose of just discovery and searching the same way. Like, think about, think about search, right? And like SEO and Google. Well, how are we going to search NFTs? Marketplaces are going to play in that. I'm not even sure. I'm going down a, a little bit of a, a thread because my mind is so excited about this. What happens when there's trillions of NFTs? But yeah, I think there's Lens is just really demonstrating for us the power of building together and how how much that can create. Absolutely. Open source part. I mean, it's not a block. It's not necessarily a blockchain thing or a Web3 thing. It's just open source. It's just mm -hmm. thankfully Web3 has, you know, predominantly been open source, whereas Web2 chose the other route. All right. What's our last big news take of the week, Jay? McDonald's is accepting Bitcoin as legal tender in Lugano, which is a city in Switzerland that I actually visited this summer. Funny enough, beautiful city on gorgeous lake, just highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I did not use Bitcoin to buy anything while I was there. Quite frankly, I'm not sure I understand why you would use Bitcoin to buy anything, uh, but it's not just Bitcoin. They are also accepting Tether, uh, which is one of the, I believe Tether is actually the largest stablecoin in the world, most volume. Uh, so, but the, the real story here isn't necessarily about McDonald's accepting this. It's more 
what Lugano is doing that is very interesting. So mm -hmm. Lugano as a city is, and I mean, this is so Swiss, you know, the Swiss are known for being leaders in the banking world and being a big a country that a lot of people go to for their financial needs. And obviously they want to be ahead of the curve on crypto too. So Lugano said, okay, we want to be the blockchain capital of Switzerland and of Europe. And so they've made some very quick moves to, they basically, they created a fund of a hundred million dollars where they are using that money to, I think they, two funds, one of a hundred million and one of uh, like 10 million or 6 million, I can't remember the exact number. And they are using those funds. To, 3 million, it's 3 million, 3 million. million. And it's Swiss francs, not dollars. I don't know what that is conversion rate, but it's Swiss francs. Uh, Swiss francs is uh, pretty, I think it's slightly higher than the US dollar, but pretty much one-to-one. -one. Uh, so, so, and what they're doing with this is they're going out to local businesses and they're training them on how you can use blockchain and crypto in your business. They are creating education programs. They are offering this to businesses that want to set up and want to build blockchain companies in Lugano. So they're developing this, you know, this basically like the, uh, I don't know if blockchain Valley is the word, but like the Silicon Valley of crypto like in in Lugano. And I think that there is, you know, there's, there's a real need for, we saw it with El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. There is, there's this sort of, there's a real need for regulators to show up right now, right. Mm -hmm. And to help guide us on how we should be doing this and how we should be building. And in the face of regulation, there's also a need for local governments to say, Hey, here's some resources and here's some help. And it's really nice to see that coming from, didn't, from this Swiss. Didn't Lugano Swiss make Bitcoin did. legal tender too, or no? They did. I thought yes. they did. Yeah. Okay. I thought they did. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. They did. So they're, they're, they're now in full competition with El Salvador to be the blockchain Valley. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, and maybe I, I gotta, I gotta finish off my Euro trip here this year in, uh, in Switzerland just to check it out. Although I wouldn't what? buy a burger at McDonald's, first of all, and then I wouldn't do it with Bitcoin, second of all. What? I love McDonald's. I'm such a sucker for McDonald's. I just love it. It might have something to do with the fact that I'm like, I'm tall and skinny and my metabolism works so fast that I could eat McDonald's every day and never gain a pound. But you know, let me give you a quick, a quick take on this. You actually are also tall and skinny, but you're, you're, more, you're more fit than I am. Uh, let me give you a quick take that I, that I heard on this, which is actually not specific to legalizing, uh, making Bitcoin legal tender, but more when you think about our currency and our current currency was developed, what, like a hundred years ago. Mm. And when we developed it, what did we do? We chose some numbers in order to denominate bills to and coins to. So we had a $1 coin and we had a $5 bill and a $10 bill and a $20 bill. And as a result of that, the pricing structure of, of commerce really tied to those numbers, right? That's why you see things that are like 99 cents and 9.99 and 19.99. Right. And we still stick to that today. But our currency has inflated mm. like 99% since then, right? So what's happened is there is, we're still living in this world where the, we have to stick to the old currency pricing, but we have so much inflation and 
all of a sudden, if you step back and look at what's happening in the NFT market, in markets where Ethereum or another or Solana is the base currency, you're, it's, like a, it's like a reset. And that is, I think, part of the reason why you've seen these mm. crazy numbers in mm. NFTs because people are willing to spend, oh, it's one ETH, right? Okay, sure, I'll spend one ETH but that's $2,000, right? <laughs> I wish. So there, there is this, I think there's this reset happening that's very, very interesting if, now I'm not saying, I don't necessarily think we're going to use Ethereum and Bitcoin as, you know, as legal tender and they're going to become the common currency for purchasing commerce online. But I do think that there is an interesting shift, which is what has allowed these NFT projects to raise such crazy money. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, but let's move on to a new subject now, Jay. And why don't you tell us who the Web3 Person of the Month is? The Web3 Person of the Month is, do I get a drum roll? Drum roll, please. Alex Tobe. Alexander Tobe. Alex Tobe is the founder of and CEO of Truth Labs. Truth Labs is one of the leading NFT projects. And the reason we picked Alex is this guy is, he's just, he is messing around with blockchain in the most creative, innovative way I have seen. And I'm so inspired by people like him. And we need more builders like him who are willing to take risks. So let me just give you a little bit of background. And then I've got a little bit of alpha because Alex and his team have recently launched something pretty exciting. So background, well, Alex comes from the Web2 world. He was a founder of a couple of companies, sold a company. About a year ago, he decided to jump into Web3. He started the Illuminati project. He started Truth Labs, which is his corporation. And out of Truth Labs, they launched the Illuminati project, which was an NFT that they launched at the beginning of, of the year. I think it was in January of 2022. 8,128 collection, sold that out for, you know, bull, bull market vibes. I think it was like 0.2 ETH or something like that. Okay. And, and, and split it with the Dow. Did exactly what we were talking about earlier in the episode, 50% to the Dow, 50% to the creators. Out of that Dow, uh, they have started to do and build really cool things. Truth Labs also launched Goblin Town, which was a really successful NFT that mm -hmm. came out uh, in April. And I think one thing that's really impressive is these guys are building in the bear, right? And they've, they've consistently launched things in the bear. So here's what happened. Out of the DAO, they start, they're starting to, you know, get ideas and this DAO, I, I believe that they have like a weekly DAO call. Everybody can attend and learn what's going on and make proposals. And so one, one guy in the DAO saw, found a smart contract that predates CryptoPunks. So it was an avatar project that predates CryptoPunks. And so they looked into this and Basically, this creator too early, right? This was too early. Nobody, nobody was into this stuff yet. But they said, okay, does, do we want to try as a DAO to resurrect 
this project. And so they came up with a code name OPP, which is just a great code name, OPP, you know me, you know, got great rap vibes. <laughs> uh, and OPP stands for Op Operation Pre-Punks. And they've been working on this over the last few months. And they have just launched this project. And so they now have released the, the actual name of this project. So the name of this project is Crypto Face. And the way- It's a terrible name, project, no? It's, it's, it's a terrible it's a pretty, name. <laughs> it's a pretty basic name. But these guys are so good at branding. So I'm sort of surprised. It must have to do with, let me tell you about this project. It must connect to the project itself or maybe the original name. Uh, although I'm not sure what the original name was. Uh, so the way this project works is, and this is where it's so fun to see people that are innovating with smart contracts and experimenting with them. So this original project was uh, never, never minted out, but the idea was like it was a build your own avatar. Okay. And then when you built your own avatar, uh, you could then like mint it onto the blockchain. And apparently this, this project was so old that the original website, this is in 2017, you, they actually asked you to enter your seed phase directly into the website. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what Truth and Illuminati DAO did was they resurrected CryptoFace, this project. And now, and essentially it's this, you know, idea of, is this the first profile picture project? Is this the first digital avatar project predating CryptoPunks? Now, CryptoPunks wasn't really meant to be a PFP project. It was more of an art project. It was a sort of a political statement at the time. Uh, so a little bit different. But what's cool is when they recreated, when they built the new smart contract. So right now you can go, you can sign up for a raffle on pre-mint. If you win that raffle, you will get free mint of a, I believe it's like a pass that you'll get. So you'll get a free mint of a pass. That pass will allow you to go to cryptoface.me. You'll enter that using that pass. You'll be able to use their avatar builder. You'll be able to create an avatar and mint it. And then when you mint that avatar, the token hash connects to the original smart contract. So in your wallet, you can show the, the provenance of this, right? That this was the, this was a early project, possibly one of the first. And then this is what they also did, which is super cool, is this original smart contract, and this is probably just because this is so old, um, was non-transferable. So mm. even though it's an NFT, you couldn't, couldn't transfer it. So I guess back then people weren't thinking about trading and marketplaces and speculation. Uh, so they wanted to figure out how to honor that a little bit. So what they did was they, they put into the smart contract that the original minter of the crypto face will get 3% royalty ongoing on future sales. So if you are the first, you free mint this, you build your avatar, you mint your crypto face, and then let's say you sell it to somebody else and you sell it for, I don't know, 0.2 ETH, you get 3% of that. And then that person sells it next for one ETH, you get 3% of that as the original minter. And what's interesting is at the same time, two weeks ago, uh, Tyler Hobbs, one of the leading generative art, art project uh, or art artists, I should say, he launched his new project. He did the same thing. He gave 
of royalty to original minters in on that's an interesting model i like that i I haven't seen that before that's cool yeah that's why i wanted to tell you about this guy i'm so fired (laughs) up on this model i'm like ooh, new revenue models to get holders royalties like right that is a nice little piece of utility i mean i wonder obviously it's not enforceable so like does this play out long term i mean my recommendations always don't rely on it um but it is that's very interesting i like that that's cool um well congrats to the web3 person of the of the month uh shout out alex keep building shout out to alex yeah if you want to come on the podcast we'd love to have you on the show really (laughs) really impressed with everything you're doing dude all right as we wrap up we're gonna do our quick speed round uh we've got a few different uh pieces of news to talk about and then we will wrap up with our poll uh, which we have a bit of a discussion on, and then we are done, folks. So the first one, um, Azerbala, I don't even know how to say that, Azerbala <laughs> NFT mint postponed after art goes viral for wrong reasons. Jay, you've got 60 seconds on the clock to give your opinion. Go. Not again. Not again. Why does this keep happening? Folks, do not invest in NFT projects that are have founders that are not doxxed. I don't understand mm. this. Like we keep doing this and like, it's like, we're surprised every time Pixelmon did this, like this keeps happening. There unfortunately is bad actors in the space. And if you are a project, you should dox yourself. You should build with your community. You should be doing those things as a leader of a project. Wait, what happened and- in this one? What's the story? Well, the story, oh, sorry. I didn't even say what the story was. Jeez. <laughs> you get too the excited. story is, I got incited in my take. You got 20 seconds. So, Azerbala uh, created an NFT and they minted their NFT. They raised $3.6 million off the mint. And then they revealed the art because art reveal happens afterwards, often these NFT projects. And it's shit. It's not good art. Like a Pixelmon. News pissed. Exactly. Just like Pixelmon. And so everyone's pissed and they got rugged. And yeah, don't invest in non-docs teams. Somehow you made that in under a minute. Well done. Or close to a minute. <laughs> okay, next up. Sega. Sega Genesis has announced its first blockchain game. Go. I mean, we've talked about over and over again how gaming, I think, is going to be one of the biggest things here on the blockchain. And, I mean, Sega brings me back to my, like, young, young, younger days playing. I think it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, so, I mean, I couldn't be more pumped about this. We'll see what game they throw in here. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I think this is the way it's all going to go. And I think it's not going to be just Sega. We're going to see Nintendo. We're going to see, you know, all the big players moving into this. Um, so Sega's just taking the first jump at it. Maybe it's because they were never really the biggest and the best. And so this is their chance to like catch up. But either way, they're all going this route. So good to see. Do you think Nintendo will go this route? Nintendo has specifically said multiple times that they will not do NFT. Yeah, 100% they will go this route. They have to. Otherwise, see you later. You know, (laughs) the amount of people in the music industry that said they weren't going to go that route either, right? The digital route and look at what happened. So true. We can try. All right. Next up, we have Horizon raises 40 million in Series B backed by Ubisoft in Take Two. Shout out Horizon. Our boy Michael Sanders, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, just closed a $40 million round. This is awesome. This is so exciting to see. And this is so exciting to see because who is Horizon? Horizon is one of the leading blockchain game developers. They've also co-authored some standards. Uh, 
the co-author of the ERC 1155 standard. And let's be clear, I'm very bullish on games being the biggest onboarding ramp to blockchain because if you give a free NFT to somebody to play your game, then they're excited. They don't, they play your game. They don't even know it's an NFT. This is what's happening currently with the, the free to play model or the free, free to own. I can't remember what it's called the current model, but free to own is the new model. And the guys at Horizon are going to be leading this with their game Skyweaver, which is awesome. If you have never played a blockchain game, go give it a try. Super stoked on this. Very bullish. Next up, Kai. <laughs> I've got Gary Gensler <laughs> up on the screen for you. Sorry, I can't help but last. Uh, Kim Kardashian gets a 1.26 million fine for illegally shilling a token. Yeah, she shilled uh, ETH Max back in the day. Uh, actually, a few celebrities did. I think I don't think it was just her, um, which is hilarious and kind of ridiculous, and really is what makes me uh, somewhat hate you know parts of this whole industry. Uh, I didn't even want to talk about this to be completely honest. She probably got what she deserves and I don't really care. It's This is nothing to her. But the funniest part of this whole thing was that Gary Gensler actually tweeted out bragging that he charged Kim Kardashian for unlawfully touting a crypto security. And he basically says that this is a reminder to other celebrities and influencers. Like he's warning the celebrities of the world to not shill crypto. And that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Gary you're just a big loser. Wait, who who is Gary Gensler? Tell <laughs> Gary us, Gensler tell us is, is the uh, the head of the SEC, so uh, he runs like the securities laws and things like that. Um, but he's also a blockchain expert. Like he taught it at I think it was MIT. So he actually knows a lot about this. But he's just been like against this industry for a while now. And uh, but the fact that he's bragging over Kim Kardashian is just hilarious to me. Okay, last last one. Christie's launches NFT art platform. Yeah, this is really cool and really exciting. Uh, Christie's, which is one of the leading auction houses in the world for 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 art, for high end art, I believe they're like a one hundred and fifty year old company. A one hundred and fifty year old company is getting into blockchain and Web three, folks. Like, are we going mainstream or are we going mainstream? This is also really cool. If you guys get a chance, you should just go check out their platform because it's really well made. They partnered with uh, a Spatial XR, which is a leading um, virtual reality metaverse builder. And so you can go in, you can go into their metaverse, you can see the art, you can walk around. It's new, so it's pretty slow and it'll probably bog down your computer. But I think that there's just, there is something happening when a 150 year old company is like, hey, we're going to start selling millions of dollars worth of digital art on our platform. Well, they had the uh, the benefit of seeing, I think it was CryptoPunk and maybe an autoglyph or something or art blocks mm -hmm. that was sold through Christie's like last year. So uh, yeah. they got to see it firsthand and go, whoa, powerful. Whoa. Okay. Last one. Oh, I thought that was the last one. I got one more for you, Kai. One more. Vayner3 publishes Enterprise Guide to PoApps. I mean, look, we, I mean, we haven't mentioned PoApps in a long time, actually, but we used to always mention these and just say, like, this is your way of teaching your audience um, or your customers or your community how to get into Web3, right? How to mint an NFT uh, and get a wallet, basically. And I think it's the first touch that most companies should do. Um, and Vayner3 being a leader in this space for enterprises, 
Um, they're creating a guide for that. And I love it. This is actually what Web3 Academy is working towards is creating guides similar to this, not for the enterprise level, but for those who are creators, those who are entrepreneurs starting out and building business in here or want to move their Web2 business into utilizing NFTs and tokens. We are actually on the um, mission to create these guides along with our partnership with the Web3 Academy DAO. Um, so look for more guides coming your way, not from Vayner3, but from us, from Web3 Academy. That's my take. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> love it. Fire it up. Okay. Great, great, quick hits. Well done. We're, we're getting good at those 60 seconds, I think. Uh, I think we're within it. Okay. Last, last piece of news. Let's talk about the poll of the week, Kai. Last week's poll of the week came in very interesting results. The question was, what's the best platform to build community in Web3? 46% said Twitter, 40% said Discord, 10% Telegram, and then 4% said other. What do you, what do you take on this guy? Yeah, I mean, first of all, this poll is on Twitter. So uh, I'm going to assume, <laughs> that, you know, maybe that's why Twitter has the edge here. Like if we did this poll in Discord, I bet you'd be different. If we did it in Telegram, I bet you'd be different. Maybe that's something we should test. Um, I would say this first, I think to build community, you got to be on multiple platforms because community is where community wants to be. And they are on different platforms doing different things, right? Like I use Twitter, Jay doesn't use Twitter so much, right? Um, and, you know, many people use Discord, many people don't use Discord. Some people use Instagram, like whatever. Um, so it's ultimately, it's where can you create connections? Where can you, like community is, how can you, you know, bring together a group of people who share the same mission or same goal or vision uh, and connect them, right? And so instead of just like us, like a podcast right now, this is not building community. This is building an audience because you can't speak to us and you can't speak to each other. But if you go into our Discord, which is currently closed, but it's opening soon. So stay tuned for a big news drop in the coming weeks, but it allows you to speak to us we can speak to you and then you can speak to others that are a part of this as well. That's real community. Twitter does enable this. I don't believe it should be number one here. I think it's actually Discord. Uh, a lot of companies that I'm speaking to that have media platforms and are looking to turn their audience into community are electing to go the Discord route. I do think a lot of people believe that Discord is too difficult, which it is. There's just a learning curve and they're building in some amazing features to enable community. I think the key thing is you just really got to understand how to set it up properly. Um, but I'm big on, on Discord. I don't think Telegram is a great place for community. It's a great place for announcements. Like, I don't know. To me, you can't have a, you can't scale community in Telegram. Discord and Twitter, though, definitely the, the two best. Reddit would be another great one. Yeah, it's a great point of the difference between an audience and a community. But I agree. I think that you need... In order to build a community, you need somewhere you can interact with people. It needs to be one-to-one, -one, and it's difficult to do that on Twitter. You can do it a little bit with Twitter spaces. Uh, either way, happy to see how many people are voting on this because everybody wants to build community. And that's what we're all about here at Web3 Academy is building community. So thanks so much to all of you guys for listening and being a part of our community. Once again, our poll for next week as a reminder if you want to participate, check out Twitter or reply to our newsletter. Should NFT projects provide a portion of their mint to a DAO treasury governed by holders? And take a step further and reply with what percent you believe. You can just comment on the, the pin post and let us know, or you can do it in the newsletter. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, and once we open the Discord back up for all of you beautiful, amazing people, you can actually just do it in there. But give us a little bit of time until we make it just, just right and perfect for everyone. That's a wrap. 
Kai, I love you, man. Love you too, brother. Thank you. And that's another episode. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.